0: Greetings, adventurers. Before we begin today's tale, we'd like to talk about our sponsor for a service that is both useful and important. We speak, of course, of NordVPN. NordVPN is a virtual private network application, basically a magic item with infinite counterspell scrolls that can work against the scrying factions of the interwebs and various protective charms that keep your virtual communication pigeons and messages safe. In a technical sense, it establishes a secure connection to a remote server in the astral plane and allows you to access so much more content from across the world and greater multiverse.
1: We set up our podcasting business while we still lived in the U.S., but after moving to Germany, we saw several problems arise we hadn't expected. Some of the things we needed on a daily basis are region-locked to the U.S., like our banking. So we started using a VPN to securely log onto the banking website until we could talk to our bank about the issue. After two hours talking with them, their grand solution was exactly what we had figured out, NordVPN.
0: But NordVPN isn't only a stoic bodyguard, it also has a fun side. Did you know that a large variety of entertainment is region-locked, like your old DVDs? What's a DVD? Let's not make us feel old and instead explain that while you're logged into NordVPN, you can stream television shows as if you were in a different country. I mean, realm state. So you might have access to an entirely new lineup of great entertainment from services you're already paying for and subscribed to. NordVPN even unlocked a menagerie of new German horror content we'd never even heard of and are delighted to be enjoying every week.
1: To get the best discount for your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash darkdice. Our link also gives listeners four extra months on a two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you've been thinking about using a VPN or are looking for a newer and safer way to utilize the content you're already paying for,
0: or really paranoid that the silent one is secretly reading your
1: emails, give NordVPN a try.
2: Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits.
0: Greetings, adventurers. This month, we're getting back into the swing of things but darkness in and of itself is useless without a frame of reference, without light. We've gone to some terrible places, we've seen so much horror, and we're about to get so much darker, but tonight may be the closest thing to the Eye of the Storm our heroes will get to experience. A few more chapters remain until we return to the tragic adventures of Sindri and Rowena, so we'll inch closer toward Soren's quarry tonight. We warned you that this portion of the adventure would be a little bit strange, but would introduce you to a very unique and important perspective. So tonight, let us begin to deliver on that promise.
2: In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geo-engineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Shayless
3: Deepes. Salis. Do,
0: do, you do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you seek
3: him? Do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you ah, the nameless god.
0: You have found yourself among those who roll the dark dice. What you are about to hear happened long ago, a story brought back from the edge of oblivion, dutifully transcribed, and enhanced orally to better captivate your attention. Previously, a team of adventurers battled the transmuted wizard and his rival. With their side quest concluded, they continued on their journey to track down Sorin's murderers. Dark Dice, The Long Road. Chapter 9b Wordcrafter. The following morning, after returning to the main road, the team continued north towards Altstadt. A few hours into their journey, as they passed into another hilly section of terrain, The hooves of an oncoming horse echoed through the gentle fog, long before they could see it or its rider.
4: And sorry, it's just a slow-moving horse. 22.
0: In the far distance, with his keen vision, Ildrix was able to make out something on top of the horse. A small figure, close to a stoutkin in size, but covered in black fur or scales. It was difficult to tell at this distance, but it wore a large shield on its back. The creature seemed to have a snout or beak. It was perhaps wearing an elaborate mask.
4: Okay, the rider is uh, small. It's got fairly simple dark robes and a weird mask, so, like maybe a halfling or dwarven plague doctor. Can you see how many eyes it has, Ildritch? It, it appears to have two eyes. Glum. I mean, he it, it doesn't look like he's, he's of any serious danger c- compared to our, our group here. Maybe we say hello.
0: Glom and Gale watched in horror from the edge of the road as Soren plainly approached with all caution thrown to the wind. Hello. As the horse slowed, stopping a mere ten feet from Soren, the creature atop at was more clearly visible—a small, gaunt humanoid with a bird-like head and talons, feathered and with brown eyes glinting cautiously with interest. The voices and sounds that left the creature seemed entirely alien to its small
5: form. Greetings. I am an feather beauty.
6: Sans Morath.
7: Word Crafter.
5: Of course you are. What are you?
4: Do I have any knowledge of these, these, these creatures? I'm pointing not natural.
0: Ildrix had heard tales of the Chimera, the unfortunate creations of the terrifyingly brilliant or perhaps mad mountain titans, born from magical experiments and the alchemical manipulation of life itself. Those beings, those new unique life forms often existed alone without companionship, family, or even a species to call their own. Each unique chimera was said to be brought to life with a purpose in mind, and such a rare creature was unlikely to have simply found its freedom. The bird creature's gaze held a loneliness Ildrix could not begin to fathom, even as its eyes darted quickly from Sorin to Glom to Ildrix, the subtle scent of fear became increasingly present to Ildrix's senses.
4: H- Hello, in-feathered beauty.
8: If you're not opposed, I was hoping you would call me Sans Morath. "'Wordcrafter!'
4: "'The others, who are they?' "'Dear, dear Wordcrafter, friend, we are, we are traveling north and uh, have stumbled upon you and your great steed here. "'Where do you, where do you come from?'
0: "'The Wordcrafter responded with Ildrix's voice, pointing the way it came. "'North!' "'As it turned, Soren recognized the shield on the chimera's back, "'its iconography to Seligon, accompanied by nicks and burrs that confirmed the shield's identity.'
4: Is the road safe ahead for travelers? It is clear.
0: Really not so dangerous as to
9: need all this. Hmm. That
6: shield, where did you get it, if I may ask?
0: Given to me as a gift.
9: Like this? I've got horses for us. Leave your junk.
0: The word crafter then produced sounds with perfect clarity. (laughs) There you go. Now take it with you and keep it safe.
3: This creature, it seems to steal voices. I'm not sure I like it.
0: Glom and Gale move their hands toward their weapons. You do not need to fight, so Please don't. Dear bird friend,
4: we do not wish to fight you. I know that you must have gone through quite a bit to get here, and it appears that you are not stealing voices, but rather can only speak with the voices of others. That is the meaning of your name, yes? The word crafter nodded tensely.
1: That is correct.
4: So there
6: was a battle to the north, and you took the shield? I am not entirely sure.
0: When we ran, he said, No, take it with you, and keep it safe.
10: I got the sense. The bird was traveling north? Could the battle have been to the south?
0: The wordcrafter put its hand over its face in exasperation, <laughs> and shook its head while pointing back the way it came.
10: I,
4: th- I think the bird has come from the north, and was gifted or given the items it is carrying.
0: Ildrix's words were repeated by the nodding wordcrafter. The bird
4: has come from the north and was
10: gifted or given the items it is carrying. Fine.
2: Given only recently...
10: Okay, I'm out. Glom walks away and just sits down on the side of the road to wait for (laughs) a
4: second. you said you recognized the shield? Yes,
6: I believe it was an item that was carried by uh, Rowena's cousin.
4: Okay. Was there a woman with the person who gave you this shield? Sure.
8: It sounded like and you'll get much better paid for it if you let a thorin, my father, know that I'm alive. I have some questions Where are you going?
6: Our
0: intention is to head north.
1: <sighs> well that's fine.
0: The word crafter began to cautiously lead the horse past the team, studying their intentions. I I would I would let it pass me.
3: Yeah. Goodbye. Safe travels.
0: The word crafter glanced back at the team one final time, and rode off without another sound. The team did not have too much to talk about, cautious as they were now that they were surely following the same path as their quarry. It snowed during the evening, and the skies cleared up for most of the following day. Traveling cautiously, the team was able to reach an inn a few hours before sunset, would they stop inside for a rest, weary as they were from days of travel. If
10: there's a talking sheep in this inn, I'm shooting it on sight. I mean, I don't think the sheep was the issue there.
4: Um, Good point. But, okay, okay.
3: I think we're probably done with talking to animals for now. Yeah. Let's just maybe find a quiet room with a half-decent bed.
4: Uh, shall we go s- see what's happening at the inn? Absolutely.
6: Let me uh, look
0: at it a little closer from a distance here. At a 15. Cresting the hill, Sorn could clearly see its wooden structure about a 10 or 15 minute walk away. With no eye for architectural detail, Sorn couldn't identify much beyond that it was a human inn, equipped with stables and located next to a large river that bisected the team's path. A wide bridge would allow for easy passage as this was a main road, and no tolls or guards were posted. The Vogelbergs, with their eye for detail, recognized this as the Riverside Inn, located halfway between Auden and Ilmir’s Hope. A dirt path, harder to spot, gently departed from the main road just before the river's edge, following it eastward. A number of carts were present, one being led by a fairly large horse with long mangy hair, was clearly filled with produce. It Looks innocent enough from here. After a few more moments of silence, Soren led the team to the inn, where, twelve minutes later, a young halfling or perhaps short human boy with bright red hair and freckles greeted them outside, clearly trying to make himself sound older than he actually was.
7: Oh, <clears throat> greetings! Are you travelers? Perhaps you would like to rest your weary heads in the riverside inn.
6: We are travelers. Uh, what is the rate for this inn?
7: Oh, uh it'll it'll be uh <clears throat> 10 copper for e- each for each of you
0: <clears throat> or one silver for those of you playing the home game of fantasy monetary conversion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what can you uh, tell us about your facilities here?
7: Um well uh, it's um, well it's very very nice. We have food and and drinks. And even glass windows,
6: glass windows, Well, oh my,
7: you don't say. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, we're actually getting ready for a celebration, you see, Um, we scared off a group of bandits a few nights ago, and today is my birthday.:
4: And so are your name, birthday boy? Squabbin. Squabbin. Yep, nice to meet you, Squabbin. Thanks. Wait, Happy
7: no way. Are you the entertainers? <laughs> and a clown?
10: clown huh. laughs. He is. And kneels down and gives a copper to the little boy.
7: By alluvian. I didn't think it was real. Also, uh, thanks. They said they were going to get a scaleskin clown, but I thought they were lying.
4: What a coincidence.
11: <laughs>
7: do you juggle and, and spit fire? Or... Uh, yes. Uh, what do you do?
6: Oh, he does it all.
7: While balancing.
6: <laughs>
4: and I he believe- kills dragons. You killed dragons? Uh, fluffy dragons, but yes, yes.
7: Mom's gotta see you. You haven't seen her yet, right? Oh, I mean, I would have heard about it if you'd been here earlier. Probably. Uh, Follow me inside.
4: Um, what was the rate that was discussed for this clown
7: (laughs) endeavor? Uh, uh, she would know, I think. It was a surprise for me, (laughs)
4: that's for sure. Okay, I'll talk to your mother about it. Don't worry, Squabbin. We're gonna give you a great party, me and my good... Sidekick Glom here.
7: Okay, this way.
0: The team was brought through the inlaid doorframe of the Riverside Inn, which, inside, was spacious and had the rustic charm one would expect from an inn situated on a major road in the bright vale, but without the lice or mold normally prevalent in inns of the region. Significant effort had gone into making its main two-story room, which housed numerous booths clean, bright, and tidy, and a small stage was situated along its back wall with a rope and sign that read... No music after dark in common. A bored, dark-haired woman with a cane refilled drinks for two humans and an orc, clearly in a sour mood, while two male dwarves argued conspiratorially over a small map with a few drinks. Squabin walked the team up to the glum woman with a skip in his step, and as she looked from Squabin to Ildrix and back to the grin on Squabin's face, she became somewhat pale.
8: Um, h- hello? You must be the clown.
4: Apparent. I am the clown.
8: Oh, good. I was expecting you. Thank you for coming here, clown. I will accommodate free lodging for you and your friends for the night, of course.
4: Of course.
8: And uh, I'll work on something for the big dinner, as you and your companions must have travelled quite far to get here from Gensler. <laughs> Could you keep the boy entertained for a few hours? Mmm. Yes! It's his birthday, remember? That's what I hired you for! That's clearly why you've travelled here.
0: The woman's (laughs) subtle but desperate nose twitching was not visible to her son, who was too distracted by Gale's sword.
8: Whoa! Is that a magic sword? It just might be. Have you ever heard of Nellwork? So while you keep him entertained for a few hours, my partner and I will work on the big dinner That we'll all be enjoying.
0: The woman suddenly shifted more weight onto her cane. You know, uh, the food.
4: Right. Uh, Perhaps you can show me to my dressing room while my good sidekick Glom here begins the presentation.
8: That is a great idea. Yes, I would be happy to show you to your room for the night, which can double as your dressing room. I'll get uh, my daughter as well, and meet you up there. Of course. I'm Freyna, by the way. Like I said in the letter
4: that I sent you. Mm-hmm. I forgot it at home. Of course. But yes. I'll meet
8: you upstairs at the end of the hall.
4: Come, come, come with me, sidekick Glom, and hm. we will discuss our act.
10: Um, I'm not the quickest with people you may have noticed, Ildrix, but does something seem... Off? I mean, aside from the fact that a mother did not book
4: a scaleskin clown for her son's birthday?
10: Yeah. Ah, uh, I don't
4: know. I rolled a 22 for insight, and uh, while the three men at the bar seemed upset, it probably had nothing to do with us. I, I I think this is just a genuine case of a parent who forgot to book a clown or overpromised. <laughs> We happen to have stumbled upon an opportunity to have free lodging and board for the night. I don't think we're in
10: real danger. Okay, next question. Are drinking games appropriate for children of this age?
4: Uh, how old is the boy?
10: I can never tell
4: with Scaleless.
3: I don't know. Um, he's He's like... 50 ish I think?
4: He's good. All right.
3: I think he's also a halfling, a, a stoutkin,
8: and they encourage drinking at that age.
0: Totally
4: good.
8: We bought a shipment of elven wine
7: from the capital.
0: Freyna, who had reached the top of the stairs, confidently approached Ildrix, Glom, and Gale with her cane in one hand, small child in the other.
7: I get to have a full glass,
0: Mom said. Squabin peeked up from the stairs excitedly before retreating from his mother's glare.
4: Yes. Whew. Yes, you do, son. Yes, you do. Okay, well, then we, I guess, go to the room to discuss our... Act! Plan of attack, uh,
3: yeah. is just kind of staying back a little bit to find out um, what it is they're going to make her brother do, and she's very amused.
0: The room itself was nicer than either Glom or Gale expected from a roadside end of the Bright Veil. And once they were able to put down their weapons and relax, the trio, or rather Glom and Ildrix, began to plan the amazing act that would surely amaze and suspend disbelief just long enough for a birthday dinner.
10: Okay. Alright. Now, I just don't understand. If you're the clown, why do I have to wear this outfit?
4: Well, I mean, the, the clown in Dragonborn uh, history isn't, is not the buffoon. In this situation, uh, they often have a sidekick uh, who wears um, s- uh, large plumages and uh, and covers their face in in white and red makeup or paint.
10: We're getting free and lodging
4: for this, right? They do they do funny dances. Oh my god! And uh, really, I just have to create fire. And you put on the best show you've ever done. That's what, that's what it's all about.
3: Just so my actual knowledge isn't muddied with the potentially amazing lies, I have to ask Eldrix, is this an actual custom? Or are you just making all this up? I, I kind of really like where you're going with this, but um, I also suspect this is just- I
4: highly doubt there are any actual scaleskin clowns within history, so I think I just made this up. But I really want to see if- Glom
10: will go through with this.
3: Oh no,
0: me too. The DM silently agreed. Did you want me to roll for Bluff?
10: Oh, I think Glom believes him at this point, putting on the white paint. Uh, I, I keep it
4: stone-faced during this whole thing. Like, this is... Is everything fitting fitting well there, Glom?
10: Yeah, I just can't... Really, this plumage goes in the front?
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I, you gotta make sure the inseam on the pants is right, too. How's, how's that feeling? It's a little tight. That's all right. Hmm. good.
10: Okay. You know, when I was his age, I I didn't have a birthday. Well, it's a different time, uh, when
4: children actually get birthdays. Yeah. Yeah.
10: Well, let's give him one hell of a birthday. All right.
0: Freyna returned to the room a while later without Squavin, to thank the team profusely. Her infant daughter was now more animated, but still generally quiet.
8: Your rooms will be free, and you can each get, uh, a full... A glass of elven wine on the house and partaking the dinner for helping us out. A,
4: f- a full case of elven wine on the house, is what you said? A glass. I
10: heard I heard case. I heard a flask, each. A glass. Or, oh wait, I don't know if I can go in the big room yet.
8: What? Why?
10: Uh, something might be wrong with my outfit. A flask of ale would really help it.
8: Yes, okay. Instead of cups, I'll give you a single flask of ale.
10: Each.
0: Fraynor rebuked Gale with her cane, clearly unamused.
8: Ow! I'm going to be waiting for you on the stage.
4: It's important that we each get one, uh, for the act itself to be a success. This will be the best scaleskin clown show the Riverside Inn has ever seen. Okay, each. Great. Make sure you get your boy nice and nice and liquored up there. Because, I mean, I trust my friend. He's a great sidekick. (laughs) But we might need to have a little help with alcohol? Yeah.
8: Yeah. (sighs) Thank you again. You're saving my son's birthday. He really needs us right now.
10: Okay, to the stage! Oh god.
0: During the planning that was taking place, Soren was downstairs in the main room, listening to the mumbled conversations of the embittered humans.
5: I seriously cannot believe how much money we just lost. This is a goddamn nightmare. Volus will have my
0: head. The first human was a tan-skinned man with patterned tattoos beneath and on the sides of his eyes, which were encircled by thin eyeliner. Extravagant flowing sleeves which ended at the elbow draped from his crossed arms over a series of bandoliers, which held a pair of whips, curved daggers, and a rhabdos, a mace-like wand commonly used by wizards.
5: Our reputation would be ruined.
0: <sighs> Quit being dramatic.
5: At least most of us got away uninjured. A pale half-elf woman with
0: facial piercings and a uniquely distracting hairstyle looked up from her drink.
5: Even if the House of Kafsa forgives us, we just lost 340 worth in damage-installing gear that belongs to a trading guild that we'll have to pay back. Plus the 80 platinum-installing property for those two dwarfs, Those two incestuous dwarfs. So
11: I'll
6: uh, sidle around over towards that corner under the guise of finding a good position and ask... Two incestuous dwarves? I don't mean to butt into your conversation, but you've piqued my curiosity. Frankly, it sounds like something out of a bad romance novel.
5: Yeah, an old man and his daughter, if that can be believed. They made off with our horses, broken solar wares, and hurt a few people who were staying here. I hear they even murdered two or three people down in Illmother's Hope. Oh, my. Yes, we had to stay here an extra two nights to meet with someone to update their bounty. It was quite an extensive list, even before our problems were added to it. Mm. You look like a mercenary, so I'd be happy to give you a copy. Ooh, thank you.
6: Oh, wow, you were
0: lying. Uh, quite the list here.
5: Yes, and you're your uh, evening friend.
0: Ildrix and Gale joined Soren while more patrons filled the room. Mostly farmers, human and stoutkin.
3: Is there anything in the list which would, um, particularly stand out?
0: These indecent sexual
6: acts in public involving a minor certainly stand out to me. Yes. That
0: doesn't sound good. No, it really does. Oh, here comes Glom. The room hushed as Glom descended the stairs, covered in white paint, wearing an elaborate colorful costume and strange assortment of colored feathers. Young Master Squabbin, young man Squabin at this point, now that he'd had his first drink, clapped excitedly as the rest of the room slowly joined in, prompting Glom to nervously approach the awesome. stage, where two flasks, two chairs, and about 15 square feet of imagination awaited him.
10: <laughs> Glom begins by downing half his flask.
0: Glom now required a constitution saving throw, uh,
10: 19 plus.
0: and was able to avoid embarrassing himself in ways he would not remember.
4: Ildrix takes a healthy swig of his own.
3: Gail is unable Uh, to really contain herself, seeing her her sibling (laughs) dressed like he is, um, and is going to heckle just a little bit, um, shouting up to him, Father would be so proud seeing you like
11: this.
0: (laughs) As Glom gathered his courage, the audience began clapping in a steady rhythm. Ildrix's face, right beside Glom's in a stark contrast of expression, reminded many of the expressive theater masks of sorrow and glee.
4: Right, there's the dancing rhythm.
10: So Glom begins to do a very strange dance. (laughs) He looks a little awkward.
0: Glom quietly moved into a kneeling position. His head bowed and regal despite the costume (laughs) and slowly leaned back, shifting the front of his feet off the ground ever so slightly. Then one leg kicked out and returned. Then the other. Then the other again, gradually increasing in tempo. His height shifted from low kneel to full height on point, and back to a kneel, spinning with his arms at full extension and throwing small fistfuls of colored powder between twirls. As local musicians added a tune beneath his hypnotic dance, Long required a performance check.
10: Uh,
4: I'm going to aid with that,
10: because uh, um. <laughs> right now I'm at a four. <laughs>
4: No, I'm definitely gonna definitely gonna aid him in his performance. I'm gonna start blowing fire. Immediately giving awesome. Glom advantage. Creating more of a spectacle in and around him. A nine. Come on, Glom.
3: <laughs> well, I thought you were a clown, but that's just proves that.
0: The above description was more in line with how Glom thought his dance was going. But with the fire behind him, he was still so Then
10: eating. Glom stops dancing and goes, Alright, I'm changing the rules. And he pulls off like I don't know, a stocking, a stocking, anything. Ties it in a ball, poses bow and arrow, and hands the object to the kid. Throw it as high as you can,
0: kid. If I hit, you drink. If I miss, I drink. Squabin took a sniff of Glom's sock, nearly passing out from its odor, oh. and quickly threw it into the air without hesitation. So Glom tries to pause as long as he can as it hits its peak, and then
10: rapidly tries to draw on fire.
4: Just before he does that, I'm going to blow fire at the thing and light it on fire.
0: So, plus five. Nineteen. The flaming sock was struck and thusly stuck to the surprise cheering of all present. Whoa. Taking another hesitant sip from his glass, Squabbin's mind had clearly just been blown. So then, I urged
10: the- after he drinks. I urged the kid onto the stage. Come on! Come up here! It's your turn.
0: With all of his friends and family around him to bolster his courage, Squabbin downed the remaining glass of wine in a single gulp, which isn't how that's supposed to work, <sighs> and quickly took to the stage, legs shaking and uneasy.
10: And I hand him my bow and an arrow, show him how to notch it, and I hold my hand out to Ildrix for another thing to throw. God, give me something to throw.
4: Uh, here's, a, here's a Here's a rope. Okay.
10: So I'm like nodding the rope up and making it into a rope animal. Ooh, ooh.
0: No sheep. No fucking sheep. <laughs> his friends applauded him, cheering him on. Squabin nervously held onto the bow for dear life while Glom adjusted the boy's stance, in every manner conceivable. This was a child who had clearly never shot a bow in his life. But seeing his younger sister smile and clap gave him courage. And as Glom was the one guiding the bow, he would make the roll for Squabin.
10: Our All right, kid. Right. Just, just shoot up. Shoot up. Try not to kill anyone. And I throw it in the air. A four.
0: I let the rope cow on fire. Uh, advantage Mildrix's aid. Yeah. Eleven. You know, birthday magic, squab and winged it. The Earl literally catching to the wings of the rope cow and fixing it firmly to the ceiling. You did it? He did it! The crowd erupted into cheers, <laughs> all present no longer able yeah. to simply sit still and watch the fun. I'm like,
10: yeah, and I drink the rest of my flask. As the
4: uh, as the crowd erupts in cheers from the uh, from the boys uh, from the boy hitting the the rope animal. I'm going to go and just uh, jump up and pull it out of the ceiling and hand it to him like, You've earned this. Happy birthday. I also put out
0: the sock that's on
4: fire and it's still on the ceiling.
7: Best birthday ever! I'm an adult!
0: Squabin was carried away by the crowd and put into a chair which was also lifted high into the air by the partygoers. Woohoo! It was a night of dancing, laughter, more of Ildrix's fire breath, and glom dancing passively drunkenly that and everyone having a great time even soren people watching from one of the corner tables couldn't help but smile contently from time to time and for a brief moment the problems of the world were very far away the team recovered varying levels of stress damage ildrix to such a degree that he was allowed to make a sanity saving throw to receive a brief added benefit
4: that's a 20 not natural and
0: as the revelries began to subside hours later Ildrix, looking over the scene, began to reflect on recent events. Mental math was not his strong suit, but he started to focus on something that had gnawed at his stressed but uneasy thoughts. He looked and counted three empty glasses of elven wine that had been given to him and his companions. Three bowls of soup from Fargweath, three bowls from Lyasha, two beds in the small cot in their room, and the immediate unease that everyone they met seemed to regard their team with. But as Glaw moved to juggle a set of hand axes the dwarves had given him, Ildrix was forced to put these thoughts on hold, and the Eye of the Storm began to pass. Dark Dice, Chapter 9b Wordcrafter, featuring Jeff Goldblum as the Silent One, Peter Lewis as Soren Arkwright, Holly Billinghurst and Sean Howard as Galen Glom Vogelberg, Russ D. Moore as Ildrix, Dallas Wheatley as Squabbin, Lauren Clare as Frena, Daniel Munoz as Rafage, Biapate as Gil, and Travis Vengroff as Dungeon Master. This episode had dialogue editing by Sarah Baczynski of Polarity Audio Works and Travis Vengroff. Produced with additional editing and sound design by Travis Vengroff. With mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. This episode featured music by Stephen Malin, Brandon Boone, and Travis Vengroff. To support this production and get access to bonus releases, music, world lore, art, and early access to future adventures and D&D materials, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash foolandscholar. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram as at Pod. This is a Fool and Scholar production. Thank you for listening.
11: A story of monsters, mystery, and myth. And the four adventurers who have banded together as heroes and as friends. And then he hears Val's voice from above, and then he basically feels better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who come together to make the world a little safer for their fellow mortals. Large creatures. I Hody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can't put yep. Hody in danger. Well, I guess it's hero time. Reckless Attack is a weekly, collaboratively built and character-driven D&D 5th edition actual play podcast. Join us at our table as we explore a homebrew fantasy world whose future is built on the mistakes of the past. A story of ultra giants and saints, legends and rediscovery, and stacks of Frogs.
3: Checkers is building his own Ewok village. Yes, <laughs> uh-huh.
11: Check us out at RecklessAttack.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.
9: Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology.